Hello, everybody. Welcome to Theory Lab, the American Cancer Society's research podcast. I'm Joe Cotter, here with Dr. Susanna Greer. Hey, Susanna. What's up? Hey, Joe. How are you today? I'm feeling nice. Not as good, though, as the two times a year when we have new grants to announce. I think for me, it's probably the same for you. It's like the highlight of my time working at ACS. A few weeks ago, we had 93 grants that we announced at 65 institutions across the country. It is an absolute joy to call those people and say congratulations on your grant because it is not easy for them to get funded. Absolutely. The, the first thing you said was, is that this one of the best things about our job? And 100%, I have an opportunity to let scientists and clinicians know every year that they have been funded. And as a previous ACS grantee, as a previous ACS reviewer, I know, I know the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into those applications. So it is one of the best parts of this job. And to answer your question, no, not not many grants are funded. It is extraordinarily difficult. Um, the ACS funds outstanding scientists and outstanding science, and it, it comes with a real price from these folks. They have worked extraordinarily hard. Oh yeah, no doubt. But the ones who did get funded, Man, looking through this list of new grantees, it's so exciting. Everything from, you know, immunotherapy to DNA repair, genomics, behavioral studies, health policy research. You know, one of the names that really stood out was the person that you're speaking with today, and that's Dr. Arthur Hong. He is an assistant professor of internal medicine and, and population and data sciences at UT Southwestern. He, he's a clinician. He specializes in adult primary care. So actually the grant he got from us is a clinician scientist development grant. Can you tell us a bit about his work? Absolutely. I, I was so excited to talk to Arthur and to highlight what he's doing because his research really hones in on something that we can all relate to. And that is why do cancer patients who are undergoing treatment visit the emergency room, number one, and number two, is this really the best place for them to be seen when they have acute symptoms, be it from the cancer or from the treatments that they are undergoing? So these might be gastrointestinal issues or pain, or they may have um, just a myriad of other symptoms that accompany the disease itself and the treatments. But is the emergency room the best place for them? And the entire premise of Arthur's grant is no. Where they really should be seen is a place called an acute urgent care clinic or an acute oncology clinic or a cancer <laughs> acute care clinic. So as Arthur tells us, there are all these different names for these clinics, but really the purpose of these clinics is to kind of be a, a, a place where cancer patients can go, can receive outstanding, urgent treatment, but they are incredibly underutilized. And so a lot of his work is to understand why, right? Why do patients go to the ER? How might they be better served in a urgent care clinic designed specifically for oncology patients? And how do we get patients to not only 
know these clinics exist, but utilize them. So it's a fascinating conversation. And he's so excited and motivated. Uh, it was just a joy to listen to him describe his research. Hi, Arthur. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm really excited for the opportunity to talk to you today. We are going to start on a very happy note, and that is that congratulations are really in order. I, I know that you were recently awarded a large grant from the American Cancer Society. We call it a Clinician Scientist Development Grant. So maybe not all of us, perhaps most us, never get a call like that, right? That something that we've worked so hard for has panned out. What, what's it like to get that phone call that your grant was funded? Um, it's a tremendous boost, really. You know, in general, research sort of kind of plods along. There's not tons of outside feedback. That's kind of people you're working with. So really, um, it's a real big jolt of energy to get a call like that. Um, it's really a huge encouragement to, to keep at things. You know, I, I actually I got like a somewhat cryptic email asking if I was like free to chat and I was sort of in between Zoom meetings and stuff. And so I was kind of surprised to hear the news because I hadn't really had the time to anticipate what it was going to be about. So, yeah, it was really um, it was an exciting day for me. That's awesome. And and you're right. These these days we are all on Zoom a lot and <laughs> right, just figuring out how to run our lives and our jobs and our families in very different ways. And and that's because we find ourselves in the middle of a global pandemic. So these are, I, I, to say, challenging times is probably the the least of the descriptors I could use. But, but it is a different time, right, for cancer research and researchers. So before we dive into your research, I'd, I'd appreciate, and I think our audience would appreciate hearing maybe how the pandemic has impacted you maybe personally, if you're able to share that, but certainly you you have a clinical practice and you have a research program. So if you could hit those highlights for us, I think that would be really interesting for our audience. Sure. So, you know, I think for me personally, other than the kind of inconveniences of the new normal, um, as some people put it, um, it's things have just been kind of moving forward as is. Um, you know, here in Dallas, our our local and health system leadership sort of saw how badly things were getting um, elsewhere. And so they got a bit of a jump start on um, preparation. So um, while the community hasn't really escaped tragedy, it, it hasn't been as dire as we were prepared for it to be. Clinically, I would say, so what I do is um, a mix of uh, outpatient clinic and um, inpatient hospital service. Things have just been really different. So everyone was sort of learning how to do video visits on the fly, um, getting familiar with all kinds of different video softwares, um, and also sort of learning how to be extra careful with um, new sets of personal protective equipment. Um, and then in general, just trying to learn how to communicate with patients and with other staff through all of this new kind of armor, really the face masks. Um, kind of obscure a lot of the communication you would other get otherwise get from from folks. Research-wise, I would say, you know, a lot of what I do is sort of a mix of things. So one piece is analyzing medical records, another is interviewing patients, caregivers, and clinicians, and then and then the third thing is feeding those insights into kind of real-world changes in clinical operations. So while the 
the first two of those have been less effective. The last piece um, is going to be sort of interesting to set up um, just because a lot of things are changing um, on the ground and the baselines are very different. And um, so I haven't quite thought through how that's affected yet. Um, I have, I'm not at the point where I'm ready to deploy that, but um, it, I have no doubt it'll be impacted by everything that's going on. Research-wise, I'd like to hone in on that a little more because I think our listeners are going to be really intrigued to hear where your expertise lies and what you are so interested in. And part of that is changing the way that cancer patients potentially receive care, especially care immediately following diagnosis. So what I've read about you, I know that your research is focused on how cancer patients use emergency room services. And I would say it seems that a lot of your research is honed, especially on newly diagnosed cancer patients. And so we can maybe talk about why that population is especially interesting to you and would maybe make special use or be more likely to use emergency room services. So what what types of newly diagnosed cancer patients? So Maybe let's just level set a little bit for those of us who don't think about this all the time. Sure. Why would a newly diagnosed cancer patient visit the emergency room? So that's kind of my first question. Why would that happen? Sure. So it kind of depends on how you want to define folks to look at. Um, newly diagnosed is very broad. In some sense, you're looking at people who are actively being treated for their cancer. And that is maybe a more clarifying characteristic in that um, folks like that not only have symptoms uh, from the disease itself, but from a lot of the treatments that we give, uh, which can be quite toxic and have their own sets of side effects, um, it can really um, evolve to the point where people are experiencing a lot of symptoms and adverse effects and side effects and problems that they just need more urgent attention for. Um, if you want to get specific, I, you know, I think of probably the top three sets of symptoms being stuff like kind of gastrointestinal problems like nausea, vomiting, dehydration. Then there's the other big category is pain um, of all sorts of sites. Um, and then the Probably the next most frequent is something like fever or elevated temperature and things like that. So that's those are probably the things that people run into the most and and why they often go to the emergency room. Okay, well that that makes a lot of sense, and I appreciate you clarifying kind of beyond newly diagnosed that you would you would prefer a more broad term to say individuals who are actively being treated for cancer, and because of that may have symptoms either from the disease itself or from the treatments that are being used to treat that active and kind of ongoing disease that present in an urgent way where they need care. So they may show up at the emergency room. So tell me about there There are probably inherent challenges and disadvantages. So the advantage would be you get that urgent care. But I'd like to hear what are some of maybe some of the disadvantages for a patient who is undergoing cancer treatment, go into the emergency room to receive care. Sure. So 
I think probably the most relatable one is the unpredictable and likely really long wait time um, in the emergency department. Um, and probably the unpredictable part, um, kind of exacerbating everything. Um, you're already feeling pretty terrible from your disease. We've made you feel a little worse with the treatments. Um, and now that it's gotten to the point where you need extra care, we've kind of asked you to sit and wait or even wait in the emergency department. So uh, I think that's sort of the one that weighs most heavily on my mind and what I've run across with a lot of patients. The, the thing that's related to that is that you're sort of waiting in a place where other folks are sick with other things and who might be contagious. Um, and a lot of cancer patients who are getting treated have immune systems that are suppressed from our treatments, um, if not from the disease. And so uh, there's always a heightened awareness of those things, sorts of things for folks. Um, there's sort of a real, another related piece where it's this question of, are you going to be hospitalized or not? Or are you going to go home? And, you know, what is that going to look like? So I think there's a lot of uncertainty there that folks deal with. Um, and really the last piece is that uh, it's a rising issue, but it's it's that it's pricey, you know, to everybody involved, to the insurer, to the hospital, and, and increasingly for patients and families. Um, and so that those things um, have really driven um, why I thought we should take a hard look at it, because it's so frequent and in some ways so predictable um, in the way folks use the emergency room. That's really interesting. So it sounds like all of the potential disadvantages, honestly, could really be summarized under cost. I mean, there's the the actual financial cost. There's the cost to the risk for exposure to infection because the emergency room is where there be a lot of really sick people. Right. The cost to just the kind of the mental piece of the uncertainty of not knowing how long you're going to be there, and and then certainly the cost of you're, you're just going to be sitting in a in a unstable environment for potentially a really long period of time. So one of the things that I'm really interested to talk to you about mm -hmm. are what you would describe as being a a clinic that would be targeted for cancer patients. And I think the term that's used is a cancer cancer urgent care clinic. So before we talk about that, maybe let's just back up a second. So this would be an alternative, right, to this emergency room situation. So this is different, though, from something that I was certainly pretty familiar with, which is just an urgent care clinic, right, which is we can walk in and get pretty quick care when we have um, an urgent need, but that is something that's not life-threatening. Like I've, I've taken my son to an urgent care clinic for a broken arm. Sure. <laughs> so I think most of us are fairly familiar with that concept, but probably less familiar with something you are really interested in, which is, which is a cancer urgent care clinic. So talk to us about that. Maybe we'll start with what services do cancer urgent care clinics provide? Sure. So so in, in a lot of the ways you might be familiar with with a regular urgent care clinic, it's it's different from the regular kind of office visit where if you needed to get some kind of like blood test or basic imaging, like an X-ray or an ultrasound, you're able to order it, get it done and have a result and be able to kind of act on it sort of within a several hour span. This also includes things like 
starting IVs or given intravenous medications if you need it. And um, sort of what may be most familiar to cancer patients is it's basically like a like an office visit that's able to use their infusion center chairs um, in this sort of more acute way. Um, those are, those are sort of largely the services um, that are covered. You know, I will say these are these clinics are fairly young, um, and they've sort of popped up organically around the country. So there's a lot of varieties. They're even called a lot of different things, um, but by and large, that's a lot of what they do. So what kind of names? That's interesting. Might might our listeners have heard about? Yeah, there. I, I think there's like acute care clinics. I there's like oncology urgent care clinics, um, like same day clinics that people haven't really coalesced around a good term for it. Um, I use cancer urgent care clinics because it seems reasonable, but I, you know, I'm also kind of aware that the general public probably doesn't really know the difference between an urgent care clinic an emergency room and, and a clinic visit. And so I've been toying around with other ideas that might be better, like a you know, a today clinic or, you know, something that conveys exactly what we're able to do for folks because, uh, you know, healthcare is so complicated. Cancer care is probably one of the most complicated things we do in medicine. And it just strikes me that we have to make it easier for folks to be able to find and, and utilize these things who are feeling so crummy. Absolutely. No, I, I 100% agree that having the word cancer or oncology in the name seems really useful, quite frankly, mm-hmm. to help patients understand that if they are having some of the symptoms that you described, be it gastrointestinal or pain or fever, uh, so either disease-manifested symptoms or symptoms from side effects from treatment, that this is where you can go to be seen quickly. You're not going to have to wait for a long time. You're not going to be exposed to other people who potentially have infectious disease. Um, So this is a place for you. Okay, so it sounds like a great idea. Um, I'd be interested in two things. So do you have any idea how many of these exist? You said they're, 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 and that's probably a hard question because they have lots of different names, but I think it'd be interesting to know, I mean, are, are you, if, you know, at the forefront of an emerging field or are we seeing more of these centers? And then what happens if you are uninsured? Is this a place that you can still go uh, to be seen, one of these kind of cancer-focused urgent care clinics? Right. So, I guess I can start locally. The, we have um, at UT Southwestern, we have a sort of a university practice um, that has had uh, this sort of an urgent care since about 2012. Uh, we also um, staff uh, what's the Parkland Health and Hospital System, which is like the public safety net hospital for Dallas County. Um, they also have started a little more recently an urgent care clinic. Uh, outside of that around the country, I've heard of 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 one at Yale, um, and also there's um, something called the Oncology Care Model, this like Medicare payment program um, that a lot of practices ha- are voluntarily participating in. Probably the most common problem that they're all trying to tackle is emergency room visits. And I think organically, a lot of folks have have coalesced into something that looks like this, some kind of a way to scoot people in to a stepped up same day clinic visit 
so that they can find a, a different place in the emergency room. So I think it's probably growing uh, fairly rapidly. Um, I haven't seen a great distillation that encapsulates sort of like where everybody is uh, um, at any point though. So this seems to be a growing field and a necessary field. Is there, if you just had to give us your kind of elevator pitch of if you are a cancer patient and you're having pain, why not go to the emergency room? I mean, you've listed some negative things, but for many of us, the emergency room feels safe and it feels like a place where it's just kind of our gut reaction that that's where we go to get acute care. So for a cancer patient in particular, how do you sell one of these cancer urgent care clinics? Sure, that's um, that's a really good question. So. I, you know, I guess I would step back a little bit and, and ask sort of what it is that gets cancer patients to the emergency room. And I really like the point that you bring up about um, it's sort of like a one-stop shopping. You know, you you may not like the wait time, but you are you feel safe because you're in a really Kind of capable location they can handle a lot of your issues and so that's why people go but i don't i don't think that people like it still um and i think part of the issue is that um we've created sort of a design problem in the healthcare system which is that um we've asked people with the least clinical training the patients and families and caregivers and ask them to sort of make this most important initial decision, which is where to go for care. And if you think about it, it's it's a little bewildering. Like, how are they supposed to know? Every time you call a clinic office, you get this, you know, if this is an emergency, please hang up and dial 911. And that sounds great, but you know, you need help to figure out what it is is an emergency and what is just urgent and what can be seen in the office visit. So Really, another key piece of these urgent care clinics is having somebody available who can walk you through that, sort of this telephone triage to tell you, hey, you know what, that sounds like an emergency, go to the emergency room, or you know what, uh, that's something that we can handle um, in a place called an urgent care. We're going to set you up on, with an appointment in a couple of hours. Can you make it down? Um, that's sort of the unspoken piece of it. Um, and. That's what I'm realizing is is critical to its success. Just not leaving people hanging to try to try to figure these out um, these emergencies out on their own. I, I really love what you said about this feeling to many of us, like an emergency room is kind of one-stop shopping because it's what we know and it feels safe. And because of the situation we're in, it reminds me of I've read so many articles about the emergence of when we think about just shopping, like how we acquire food for our families, that where we would normally go, kind of big box stores, like I don't know what's in Dallas, but in in Atlanta we have Publix and Kroger and Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) those places don't feel quite as safe and easy to some individuals now because they can be crowded and not everyone is wearing the same safety kind of masks and gloves that that you might wear, but what feels a little safer, but it is new, are kind of these corner mom and pop type stores that are seeing a reemergence during the pandemic where we can pop in, 
and in a kind of safer way find the necessities that we need for living and to feed our families um, and and get kind of in, in way of thinking about the cancer urgent care clinic, get the information we need and then pop back out without the negatives that come with the what would seem more safe right. um, and usual this big box store. Maybe not the best analogy, but it does it leads me to something that this entire conversation has made me think about. And that is that I've heard from so many cancer patients during the pandemic that they do fear hospital visits because of potential risk of infection. Um, so have you thought about that? Could cancer urgent care clinics provide maybe a different exposure risk um, to all infection? And, and certainly uh, right now we're thinking about COVID-19. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think so, but it's, it's really hard to say for sure right now. Um, what I could probably say is that the general benefits of these urgent care clinics are relevant during this pandemic, meaning that like many other cancer treatment areas, um, they're used to handling folks who have suppressed immune systems who, and so they're already extra careful. It's not new to see people walking around with face masks in this area, right? Um, it's also usually a pretty, a less busy waiting room um, than, uh, than your average emergency room. And I think the other thing to consider is that, you know, it's a place that sort of regularly takes care of cancer patients. So it's going to be a bit more familiar with those specific set of needs. Um, so, you know, as much as it might present a different risk for coronavirus exposure, it, it may just be the things that that exist inherently before the pandemic. And um, but yeah, I haven't I haven't quite thought through all of those things, but certainly a, an interesting direction that um, I've been thinking about lately. Well, one thing you undoubtedly have thought a lot about is your goal, which seems to be to help cancer patients and their caregivers really to make the best use of these types of, of cancer and oncology urgent care clinics. So help us look ahead. I mean, kind of what's your best case scenario for how you change our mindset and maybe in five or 10 years, what what would you really like to see? Like what would be a knockout home run for you? I think really understanding um, how to best integrate these urgent care clinics um, to make care easier for folks, that's really the best outcome for, for this project, even the next five or 10 years. That's that's how I'm thinking about it. Because, you know, for, for folks within healthcare, it seems like a really good idea, but part of the challenge that we've uncovered is that um, folks have not used it as often as you might expect. And I think some of it has to do with they're just not used to having an alternative. Or, or reaching out to get this telephone triage. Um, and so I think overcoming a lot of those hurdles and barriers will, will help make it easier for people to access the healthcare system as complicated as it often is and, and really try to, to tailor this part of care uh, so that it's very patient-centered uh, so that's more comfortable, that it's safer, um, definitely easier, and and if we're lucky, kind of cheaper for everybody involved. So, you know, really long term, that those are the kinds of things I'm interested in, um, and I, I feel like this is a really um, 
this is a sort of innovation that's got a sort of a unique potential to try to demonstrate that. And honestly, all of that sounds so great. Um, it absolutely seems <laughs> like a really good idea. Uh, and you're right. It, I think it will take a partnership with individuals like you and with agencies like the American Cancer Society to help patients to overcome what are some really tough barriers um, yeah. just to help folks navigate this experience in the best and safest way that they can. So we are so excited to have you as a part of the ACS family. Um, I'm really looking forward to the impact of your research. I just have one last question. So many of our listeners to the podcast are cancer patients. So the individuals that you really want to reach out to, or they are survivors um, and they are caregivers. Uh, is there a message that you would like to share with this audience in particular? You know, I think um, especially right now as things are really difficult and a bit scary, um, I, I just ask you not to be shy about reaching out to your care team uh, to ask for their help. Um, it's okay to lean on these folks during really what's kind of the most difficult, one of the most difficult times of your life. Um, pretty much every person who works in cancer care is there because they find it sort of uniquely re rewarding. Um, and even though sometimes it, it can be really frustrating to deal with the healthcare system um, in pieces, uh, the people who are working in it really will try to do what they can to help. So. So if anything, to just kind of reach out and get closer um, to the folks you've been relying on to help you through this. Thank you, Arthur. I will say it's been uniquely informative and rewarding to talk to you. And we're really so grateful for your truly innovative work. I've This is the first experience I've had with someone who is invested in this area. And I think it is such a need and be we really look forward to seeing great things for you. Thank you so much. I hope you stay well. Thank you. You too. Thanks for the interest. And, and again, thanks so much for this uh, encouragement. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.